Hello everybody and welcome to another Thinking Drinkers podcast in which we suggest, well, this time a lot of different drinks for you to enjoy and some rather unusual, uh, and in this case, a very good reason to drink them. Um, my name's Tom. I'm joined as ever by Ben, my fellow thinking drinker. Hello, Ben. Hello, Thomas. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We've just uh, we've just come back from a jaunt to Scotland, everybody. Yes. Um, we have spent the last two weeks uh, being put forward as the world's very first no melies yeah that's yes, a, a bit of play uh, cunning wordplay isn't it just uh, so what is an amelier tom an amelier is like a sommelier but with an expertise in no and low alcohol drinks because of course this is dry january a lot of people are, are taking a bit of a break from alcohol good luck to them for that uh but we wanted to try and prove that there are lots of no and low alcohol alternatives to alcohol uh that have got a bit more flavor so if you are embarking on this journey to abstain a little bit then you don't have to drink boring drinks anymore, do you, Ben? No, no. And we've had a wide range of drinks. We were sampling and matching with food. Um, we're very well versed in matching f- different dishes with different drinks, aren't we, Tom? Wow. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's well easy, to be honest. Um, and talking about being well easy, as ever, we were well well on top of the wine situation, weren't we? Because we've got a white, a red, a sparkling, a rosé. And we matched the white wine with chicken and pasta and salad, the red wine with meats, dark meats, and uh, uh and what else? Uh, <laughs> Just cheese, crisps. We built crisps yeah, into it. Yeah, as well. we've got champagne <laughs> with like tapas and crisps. Um, and then we had, and the rose was you know, something there. Uh, and I think that was just tapas as well. I think anyway, it was, yeah, the point we... was, um, it's well easy, um. And we haven't uh, got any qualifications when it comes to wine, but we should have. I don't yeah. know whether we, I think just the work we've done so far should get us some kind of medal. Um, but no, we were up yeah. in Scotland hosting some dinners up there. Um, and it was in a lovely restaurant called Hemingway's where the food was amazing. The guy called, uh, the chef there was a lovely fella called Gareth from Northern Ireland. And um, he made basically, well, you know, the McDonald's hash brown. I do, yeah. Yeah, so I, was, yeah. And I, I don't know, know why I'm asking one. you. I was there. I ate you were there. <laughs> but uh, listeners may be aware of the McDonald's hash brown. Um, uh, but imagine that, but bigger and nicer with a bit of lovely cheese on. Mm. Uh, and this, and he did a lovely um, mushroom uh, ketchup as well. He was a lovely fella, and he's very skilled. And he did a lovely, put on a lovely uh, four course meal. And we matched uh, drinks with it, and it worked. Yeah. It did actually. It work. did. It did work, and um, and there are definitely some options out there if people are uh, trying to do this. And it worked so well. They invited us onto the television to talk about it. And one of the big pieces of news for us in our uh, ever growing desire to be TV superstars uh, is that we were on the telly this week talking about this on this morning. So um, that it seems that Philip Schofield and and Holly Willoughby were keen to learn more about it. So we went on there and talked about wine. So that does effectively mean we are now TV wine experts, Ben. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on that very show, as my brother pointed out, he watched it and said, wow, thanks very much for the food and wine pairing of light chicken dishes and risottos <laughs> with white wine. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really Even- that easy. <laughs> 
And uh, I described a wine as grapey, which I thought was a highlight. Um, yeah, it was good fun, wasn't it? Yeah, but, it I mean, was. we had to, we, they asked us on uh, very late notice, so they paid for us to get the sleeper train down mm. from Scotland because we had a flight booked the next day, but we had to go on the sleeper train instead. Um, and let's have a talk about that. We described, I think we talked about it before, but first of all, we we are going to write to training standards, I think, and say you've got to take the word sleeper off it. I think it it's really needs to be. It's, it's it, it, and that's that's the best. Sometimes I fall asleep on a train and I and I wake up yeah. and nearly miss my stop. You won't do that on a sleeper train. So they should actually call it the staying awake train because it's just impossible to sleep on there. The, the rooms, if you do book it, try and get your own room. Don't share a room with um, anyone else, least of all Ben. <laughs> because especially if you don't know him, that would be a bit weird. But there's no room in there. And it's 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 called a room, and yet in many ways it's um it's a no room. It's a no room on the stay awake train. <laughs> One of the so strange sensation was uh, as it as it sets off, it kind of it does rock and roll, and you think, oh, this is you know goes back to being a baby. You think, well, this could rock me off to sleep, but then it doubles up on that, and it feels like we're going downhill, like I'm sliding down the bed. <laughs> I don't think tra- can trains go downhill. I don't know. The Pendolino, the Pendolino can go round corners, can't it? I remember reading about the Pendolino with my kids when they were young and loved trains. So when I was being thrown against the wall of the no no room, yeah. I, I did think, well, that's probably because it's turning a corner, which is fair enough. Trains can do that, but they definitely should be going downhill. They should not be going downhill, and it was really this constant state of dozing of thinking you were going to get to sleep but you weren't actually asleep and it's it's worse than a, a plane wasn't it it really was very it's, disruptive it's, i mean night. the thing is you 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 when you talk to people about it um they think it's going to be a kind of romantic old school um uh sort of experience full mm. of plush you know plush um fabrics and and <laughs> nice tables and little lamps and it's maybe some wizards there going to school on their yeah. uh, <laughs> Hogwarts Express yeah but it's not None it's of those like things. it's like a um it's like a very cheap hotel on wheels hmm. but it has it's I've just realized Tom it's quite seamlessly and we hadn't worked this out segued once again into two of the things we're going to be talking about because we are talking about um this week, the first Poirot novel, mm. Agatha Christie, Murderer on the Orient Express, and that's the kind of train we were hoping for. Mm. Whereas by about three hours in of our, into our travel, we I was just praying we'd go through a tunnel and somewhere. Didn't, didn't need a murderer, just needed a good rope uh, <laughs> and and a ceiling high enough to hang yourself from. But there's no, there was none of that. No. You you do well to hang yourself on that bloody thing yeah so that um so that's one uh one tenuous link um and then the second is of course uh we were coming down from scotland we were coming from glasgow and scotland is celebrating this week what is it celebrating tom burns night the poet yes. of robert or of rabbi burns. burns uh we will be uh we'll be enjoying or hosting a, a burns tasting in fact 
uh, next week at the club at our members club. And um, yeah, it's all the rage, isn't it, around this time of year when we get to the 26th of January, uh, there, there are all these dinners going on. And um, and most of them are enjoyed with whiskey. Uh, so just before we get into Burns, Ben, I was going to suggest some deals of the day. Deals of the day. Lots of deals from the money-saving experts of drink. Yes. Uh, which I think that's we... probably copyrighted. So yeah, money-saving um, drink is not, not a thing. Well, also, it's got, I mean, it's very Scottish. We're, we're yeah. coming up with ways of saying money we are <laughs> god knows they love doing that yeah. so yeah we've got some uh we've got some deals for you uh the first one might make the scots shudder a bit actually i found this deal on oh, the whiskey wow. exchange Wait. it's a mortlack 15 year old and it's, and it's an incredible deal at 87 pounds 95 pence and let's be honest that's not very cheap is it this no. is quite an expensive whiskey but they've taken 32 quid off it uh, which is a lot of money to take off it because it's a very expensive and glorious whiskey uh it's been uh matured in first fill oloroso sherry and ex-bourbon casks uh, and it's the it's a game of thrones edition uh these were a limited edition set of whiskies that um that the various distilleries put out more like being one of them uh, so if you're into that if you're into sort of dragons and shit um then game of thrones, game of thrones that's good, good it's knockers but we uh, liked it whoa. <laughs> uh, i've never uh, seen it yeah, the first series is pretty good because there aren't any dragons in it. Um, if you like dragons, sorry, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, they're not real. Um, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. So, there's the more like 15 year old is something if you do want to spend a bit more money on it, it's on a very good deal of whiskey exchange. Waitrose for those waitrose shoppers, and I know there are a lot of you Me? listening. I've got, um, I've got a uh, wood as well. Yeah. Um, the Abelure 14 year old single malt whiskey is on a special deal at Waitrose at the moment. They've got 10 quid off that. Still 46 quid, but 10 or off the uh, Abelure 14 year old is pretty good because it's a great introductory single malt whiskey. If you're new to it or you're trying to get someone else into whiskey or you want to buy a gift for someone and you don't really know if they're that sort of into it and proficient oh, with their yeah. flavors this is a, this is a really good intro uh whiskey it's quite sweet and it's uh it's a softer profile so they have a law 14 year old and sainsbury's has got money off bells for all of those people who um who bells. don't want to spend too much money we wouldn't recommend buying bells if you're trying to get into whiskey uh don't buy it especially no. especially not for the uh the hunchback of notre dame right right ben um, no. uh, he doesn't like, like bells, does he? No, he does. That's the point, you idiot. Oh, he has to hit them, but it's it's just it's, he's not happy with his life, is he? Yeah, and but he's so... not happy with his life because he's because he's got a hunchback. Well, that's not fair. And he can't get he's out, he, yeah. Isn't it something to do with Esmeralda? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember the story. <clears throat> But as, he always he says, like, the bells, the bells. He doesn't like the sound of them, does he? Because they sort of trigger a sort of some sort of nasty reaction. Um, anyway, don't get bells. No. That's the short end of that story. Um, they do have Cardu, though, which would normally be 40 quid. And this is really right. a money saver. Um, but they've got their Cardu at 26 quid at the moment, Ben, um, which is it's, it's a very good price. That's a Speyside whiskey. Again, it's slightly sweeter, 
lighter intro into the whiskey world. So for 26 quid, that's a good way to start your whiskey journey. Um, But yeah, if you want to try something really completely different, and we're going to get onto Burns in a minute because we think uh, some of the traditional uh, approaches to a Burns night are a bit boring, um, then try these guys. These are woven. Now, if you follow us on on YouTube, we're going to show these bottles on our YouTube version of this podcast. And the woven bottle is fantastic. And this is a blended whiskey. And these guys are in Leith, which is where uh, Hemingway is. That's where we've just been. And they they work out of a place called the Biscuit Factory, um, which is a cool name for a place. If you like biscuits, we like biscuits. Um, And what they do is they select lots of different whiskeys from around the world, uh, around Scotland, and they blend them on site and that's really their expertise uh the the one we've got at the moment is their peachy whiskey experience uh, number 11 um peachy and it really is a very fruity whiskey and when you go onto their website on woven's website they have all the different uh whiskies they put in there and they give you the composition so it's quite a scientific lab-based operation but it's quite interesting because you get to see what they put in there and they in, in the peachy they put like 15.2% of highland single malt uh, and then they've put uh, 5% from a glasgow distillery 1770 uh, 25% from a Strathclyde distillery. So, you you know, if you know a bit about whiskey, you can start to see where maybe those flavour profiles have come from. Uh, and the final product is great. So uh, that's £55. Um, you can buy it from them direct on their Woven Whiskey website. So it's not cheap, but it is really interesting mm. and different, which is what we want to talk about today when it comes to yeah, Rabbi Burns. Rabbi Burns, because quite frankly, I—I I mean, I—if I, you've been to many Burns dinners, I've been to—I I think I've been to three or four. The best—the best Burns experience we've ever had was that tasting we did at the former mental health—I don't know what you call them now—the <laughs> no, asylum. Was it former the asylum. asylum. Where yeah. was it? Dunfermline. It was really weird. They bust people in from the nearby town yeah. and it was like this Dumbarton. asylum and they they were all dressed up and it went off didn't it we did our tasting That's first right. and then it just yeah. it was crazy party which was very unburns like most of the burns experiences i've had have been very twee and frankly a bit dull yeah well this is it and i i think well i think it was a bit that it all kicked off at that thing, didn't it? It was like a nightclub. And I think mm. Blabby Burns would have been probably more interested in that kind of thing uh, rather than a rather sort of, uh, I don't know, quaint and a bit, I don't know, it's a bit kitsch, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, those, those dinners which, um, often take place down here in, in England. I don't know, they, they sit, they're all... It's a little bit cliched, a sort mm. of cliched caricature of what a Cali- Caledonian is, really. It's sort of, and I just these, I like there. There's immortal memories, and there, and then you've got the cheesy addresses to the lassies, and then you've got the bagpipes. Jesus Christ! I mean, that Who is likes like, them. Oh, crying fire in a pet shop. Awful. Mm. What an awful sound. Mm. Um, although when we did a film up in on an Arthur's seat and there was a very nice bagpipe fella who we who we paid to play out there and uh that felt quite good standing on top of a mountain with the bagpipes well, that's probably out. the distinction to make isn't it i think yeah. if you're in scotland or you're scottish yeah. and there's a real reverence around it and the scots do their 
their national heritage very well to be fair to them um i think you're right i think it's a lot to do with the 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 faux uh impressions yeah, down south also, yeah and also i'm i'm a strict believer that if you're not scottish you you shouldn't wear a kilt mm. i think that is uh well apart from it it's just it's yes it's cultural appropriation but more to the point it's just peacocking it's just being a show off um, and it's a way of getting the ladies interested in you. That's what I think. Yeah. Has it um, ever worked, wearing a kilt, have you? I've never worn a kilt, uh, it, unless we're, we're, unless we're doing... <laughs> we're unless we're doing some, Yeah, unless we're doing some lazy national stereotype work on our own. Talking um, of which, if you do follow us on YouTube and you have a, a look at this video, have you noticed the way the sun's catching my face through the blinds? Look looks like, like I've Braveheart. painted half my face, like Braveheart. Which you haven't, was, though, have you? I haven't, no. That was an unintentional side effect. It's all coming together, Tom. Yeah, beautiful. But we, I had Haggis on, a, on the uh, train the other day, didn't I? <laughs> well, if that's what you want to call it. Right. You had a plate of mushed up food. You had some baby food. I had some pasta soup, otherwise known as well, do you know, macaroni do you cheese. Know what, do you know what um, <clears throat> the Haggis meal, you know, it's boiled stomach mm. stuffed with suet, salt, um, and basically various bits of sheep. And yeah. it's got some root vegetables thrown in. I mean, they ate it in 18th century Scotland, but you know, and I, it, I do actually quite refined. like it. But but it's got to be good. It's quite often it's pretty dodgy. Um, but anyway, I don't. Our whole argument is that if you actually read up on Burns, he he would have hated the, that that sort of stuffy, um, fuddy duddy rather cliched evening uh that uh, in in his name i think he because he was um i mean i think he would probably like the um the no kilt combo no kilt and uh kilt and no underpants right yeah yeah well i, I think just just from the, the start you just mentioned his name and and a lot of people who try and put these things on oh, rabbi burns rabbi burns. he wasn't he was he was he was that wasn't even really a name he used he never signed rabbi apparently and he, really? was, he went by Rob, Rab, Robin, and Spunley, um, which is not even related to the R sound, um, but never Rabby. He was born Robert Burness as well. So um, it's, you know, just Rabby Burns alone is it's not really no. what he ever wanted. Apparently. And he was quite a sort of, he was seen as the sort of, um, compared to Wordsworth and Shakespeare. He was much more more of a sort of blue collar bard. He was he was he was sort of the original uh, modern modern poet, and he was a sort of very libertarian. Um, so he's probably more like Dylan or Springsteen, or if you the want proclaimers, to, proclaimers, like not the proclaimers. <laughs> and I don't, I think he's probably more like Bon Scott because it was full of innuendo his mm. poetry. Because he loved, oh, he was a real ladies' man. But one of his, one of his ballads, um, which is better than old Lang Lang Syne and all that crap, was um, Nine Inches Will Please a Lady." Um, I don't know if you've ever read the words to that. No, well, I, I, don't, I wouldn't know if it's true or not. Innuendo. <laughs> I wouldn't know if it's true or not. Oh, I no, uh, three. Um, <laughs> He's talking good game, but he he um 
he uh, was a prolific philanderer. He had like 12 children from, I think, 10 different women. Mm. So Do you know, his, was... his last born child was Maxwell. Do you know when he was born, Ben? No. The same day as his funeral in 1796. Really? Was it? Yeah. I mean, that's something, oh, isn't that's it? Orcs. If you're a prolific uh, child maker, to really go out on the, on the day you die with one being born is quite an extraordinary oh, thing. What a... What a... What a maelstrom of emotion it must have been for that lady. Mm. Yeah. Um, but he, but did he, also a, he did. He might have had a big penis because he had a massive head, apparently. And you're like this one, Ben. Um, I've got big heads on. Because you've got a massive head and I've yeah. got a tiny head. So I can only be, uh, I can only be jealous of you and Robert uh, because his body was exhumed in 1815 and they measured it before it was laid to rest in the new Dumfries mausoleum. Um, and, yeah, he had a huge head. Uh, like how big? Like, I don't have the... Like Frank Sidebottom. <clears throat> the measurements. But I guess okay. it would have been big for the time. It would have been big for the time anyway, because it's kind of irrelevant. It was... We're all getting bigger as humans, aren't we? Um, as the centuries go by, the average height is going up. Well, I'm afraid to say the uh, the big head... You know what they say about men with It doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. Oh, okay. No, not really. Um, I know that already. I've seen yeah. that naked too many times. <laughs> not through Joyce. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You're mad. You know, I used to worry me, so but now, I mean, who cares? Um, but, um, yeah, but he was, uh, well, as well as not being monogamous in his love life, he was not, he was certainly not monogamous in his, um, in his drinking choices, because he he didn't just drink whiskey, he drank pretty much everything: ale, claret, port, rum, brandy. Um, but 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 admittedly, because whiskey was obviously the drink of the day and the drink, Scottish drink, um, it it sort of whetted his creative appetite as well. Um, and um, he also, I mean, just just the, if you read his poems, he he hates. He hates the uh, hypocritical Scottish church. He takes pops at the state, um, any kind of inequality. Um, and he pretty much he wrote against anything or anyone that sort of undermined the uh, the average Joe, the common man. So it, he was, I think that's the problem I've got with Burns Night, is that it, it's all a little bit, it doesn't really capture who he was or what he thought. Mm-hmm. Um um, so, so when we do our alternative uh, Burns Night, we're actually going to be celebrating it with different drinks, aren't we? We are, yeah. I think <clears throat> we talked about some whiskey at the top of the show because if you switch onto a podcast that's about Burns, uh, there might be an expectation that we'll mention some whiskey. So we did that. But um, when we do our tasting, we're going to try and bring in other Scottish drinks because Scotland's got an incredible food and drink scene at the moment that's really uh, modern and innovative and there's some really great drinks minds up there so we tried to get we're trying to go away just from the idea of using whiskey one of the drinks we're going to have is is bramble again if you're watching the youtube if you're not watching the youtube watch because we're holding up bottles fascinating <laughs> and there, there is the bramble bottle and you'll see from that label that it's spelled slightly differently they've taken an old scottish using old scottish to brand up the bottle bramble Bramble, I don't know how you say it with a Scottish accent. 
does refer to the brambles though um and it's a blend of blackberries and london dry gin uh, and it's a liqueur so it comes in at 24 percent so if you are trying to moderate your drinking at the moment um we're suggesting a lot of liqueurs and vermouths and lower alcohol drinks because once you add a bit of tonic or in this case some some maybe some um or ginger ale would work brilliantly with it as well then you're really reducing the amount of alcohol in the drink and it was made by um some friends of ours who are incredible drink spines mike aikman jason scott and craig harper and mike and jason run bram the bramble bar in edinburgh if you're ever in edinburgh you have to go there it's one of the best bars in the world and craig harper's works in bars all over the world uh and and worked in the drinks industry for 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 years we've known him for a couple of decades now and he is a another great drinks mind so they put they put their heads together and they've come up with this and it's really good i mean the blackberries in it are properly lush uh, and it's got a, a beautiful sort of natural sweetness and it's, it's quite complex it's not just it's not just sweet berry there's there's a lot going on in it and it does work really well in cocktails and like i say if you have it with um 25 mil of that with 100 mil of uh, ginger ale and with some lime squeezed on the on, on the top it's a brilliant drink so we're going to be tasting that it's scottish and it tastes good um and we're also going to be tasting cross brew there's some cross brew that's the label looks very fancy doesn't it ben it's a nice looking label and that's a coffee liqueur and mike and jason again they came up with a concept a coffee liqueur but they also worked with uh, erica duffy on that and she worked in perfumery and um she was a barista as well so she knew she knows her coffee um and dan barley did the label he's a bit of a cool label kind of design dude uh, and it looks really good People are always asking us about coffee drinks. Um, I think the sort of demise of Patron tequila has yeah. left people a bit unsure of where to turn. But coffee liqueurs are a bit of an emerging category. And this is a really good one. And again, it's only 20, 20% that is. So you can um, have that with a, a mixer and it'll be quite Could you make an espresso drink. martini with it? You can use it in uh, <clears throat> an espresso martini. Um funnily enough it works really well with cherry cola uh which is not necessarily a drink you think to but the sweetness of the cherries in the coat and the cola with the slight bitter hints of the coffee actually work really well and it works really well in a a twist on a negroni so you can put 20 mil of uh, the coffee liqueur in with 30 mil of campari and 30 mil of punte mess they recommend actually which is um fino sherry dry bone dry sherry and it's really an interesting cocktail so it's quite versatile um and it's made in scotland so well there's and there's a there's a good non if you if you're still doing dry january um which you should be doing because it's in january um um there is a very nice non-alcoholic spirit called ferragaya which is um distilled up there and it's it's quite bitter it's quite it's more like a um sort of herbal elixir and you have that with tonic or um uh, a little bit of uh ginger ale or something like that we've been drinking that a, a bit here this this month and um yeah that's that's a good one that's the best non-alcoholic spirit i think that's out there at the moment mm, mm. um and then of course um shall i talk about the beer I yeah well, well uh, yeah we've covered a uh... 
You've covered all that. Oh, um, well, we're going to go, because he was into his beer and into his whiskey, we're going to go for, um, and this is an, an old favourite, um, and I, but I'm keeping it because I think it's yet to be bettered in its style in terms of Scotland. The Harveston Oladou, hmm. which is Gaelic for uh, old engine oil. And it's it's a lovely, beautiful, viscous, velvety, jacketed sort of stout uh, very, very sort of unctuous in your mouth, and it's aged in Highland Park barrels. Um, and you get a ten-year-old, a twelve-year-old, and a sixteen-year-old. Um, and it is, it's, it's, it's so it's fi- it's finished in whiskey barrels, and it's got chocolate in there, espresso, cardamom. Mm. There's, and it is fantastic with desserts and cheese, and it a perfect way to um, end a, a nice meal. And they're really, and again, these are the beers that if you if you buy a pack of, I think it's, I think it's like forty quid for six bottles, which sounds a lot, but if you put two or three of them down in a cellar, they'll they'll improve in in value and they'll get more complex, yeah. um, up until about ten years. So, um, which again, save making a bit of money, very yeah. very Scottish. Yeah, you know? yeah. no, really no, only put it in those cellars if there's if you're not keeping someone down there because they'll just they'll, they'll just drink guzzle it. a lot they'll won't they yeah. terrible and if they're chained to a radiator yes. they'll still, they'll just still find it. a way they will in like in all the films um <laughs> so yeah that, that's good I mean, there's lots of lovely beers out there and scotland's got some uh cromarty uh or cromarty cromarty i think i got i got told off my pronunciation of the mm. other day i can't remember which one's right um of course you've got brew dog up there but I think more and more people are sort of veering away from them due to some rather suspect um, employment practices, allegedly. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we don't know the truth or non-truths of no. any of that carry on, but it has uh, made them less popular, I suppose. Yes. Uh, uh, that said, um, a lot of people we meet have them in their fridge. Um, they're doing great gins as well. I've just seen another gin that's arrived just, right. just oh, the really? other day. Uh, really? This is the Holyrood Gin Distillery, uh, which we know well. Oh, yeah. We? yeah. Um, and uh, this is Height of Arrows, uh, which is their their elevated gin. Um, and, yeah, they are doing some great distillation over at, at, at Holyrood so if you're looking for a, a new gin to add to your gin collection go with any of theirs if you go onto the um Hollywood yeah, they know their gear they know their stuff they know what they're doing as well so loads of really interesting things coming out of Scotland at the moment and so no reason just to sit there and drink whiskey and eat uh sheep's no, bags just uh, have some shortbread or maybe yeah. like one of those tonic tea cakes yeah you know brace all, all the aspects, all the iron brew they make. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they love a bit of iron brew and Highland yeah. toffee. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and other cliches, etc. Now, on the twenty first of January, which is in a couple of days, uh, if you go back to nineteen twenty, um, we're going to be drinking. Um, we're going to be drinking another stout, another dark beer called Hercule Stout. To celebrate the first Poirot novel, which was mm-hmm. released on the 21st of January, 1920. Um, and it was written by Agatha Christie, obviously. Um, who do you think the two people in the world, who are the two people who sold more books than Agatha Christie? No one else. And and it's not Prince Harry. Who have sold more books? Yeah. Um... She sold two billion books. 
And there are, t- there are two people who have sold more. Lee Child? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tolkien? No. Potter uh... Woman? Potter Woman? Who? Um, J.K. Rowling? Uh, no. No. Um... Come on, think old school. They're both old school, but one's Shakespeare. Really... I mean, that's not yes, really... yes, Shakespeare. really. That, well, he's a playwright, isn't he? He's not really. A... Well, he's, he sold more books. Yeah. Wow. And then the other one, you get it in all the hotel rooms. The Bible. God. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote the Bible, didn't he? Did he hmm. write it, or he got some? No, it was written goes, some three hundred years after his death. Um, not Literally really. Goes written. written. Kind of. A, it was. A, it was written by a group of people and changed over time depending on how uh they oh, wanted really? people to react to laws um yeah i mean he was he was a great magician though wasn't he i mean yeah i mean, he, I mean he could have organized he might have he might have written it and then and then arranged it so it came out later yeah because he's yeah. probably still in control yeah um who's who's your favorite Poirot? Who's my favourite part? Well, it's, it's um, um, Manet. Um, what's it called? Um, David. Suchet. Suchet. Sir, is he Sir? Sir David Suchet. Yeah, I think it is. Um, so, did you see the Kenneth Branagh one? Did you see the Kenneth Branagh one? Yeah, well, there's a um, lot. Of, I didn't realise um, how many people have played Poirot. Malkovich yeah, has played the, Poirot. Yes, the brilliant whisker-twiddling Belgian. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it... Whilst he was very popular, he's the most popular Christie character, but she hated him. She famously described him as a detestable, bombastic, tiresome, egocentric little creep. Mm. Um, but she couldn't afford to get rid of him because he was so popular. But yes, he was. Um, he's been played by Malkovich, who we've Malkovich, met. Malkovich, we've met Malkovich, and we've yeah. talked about absinthe with the, we did. the great and John Malkovich. And what did Malkovich. he say to us? He said, boys... I'm going to come and see your show tomorrow. I can't wait. And we were like, wow, Malkovich is coming to the show. Did he turn up? Did he fuck? He didn't. No. Um, but Julian Sands did come. And rather shocking news about Julian um, this week, Ben. You sent me the link to that. He's gone He's gone missing, missing in the uh, California mountains. Yeah. Fingers so, crossed fingers he turns crossed, up. Thinking of him. Yeah. He was a nice fella. He was a very nice chap. Um, um, we gave him a drink. Yeah. That was a long he time can, ago, though. That's he not sat in the front he's row. Just... I mean, he's he's an actor who's been in films and stuff, and he sat in the front row, and it was very – that was our first year, wasn't it? It was very mm. disconcerting to see a talented actor sat in the front row really taking seriously. He was taking notes from my memory. And, um, <laughs> I mean, he, he was taking it seriously to, to his credit, even though you were mounting people in the front row with a, with a buffalo hat on or something. <laughs> I mean, it was like – Oh, Julian, I don't think this is for you, this mate. This isn't for you. <laughs> oh, dear, I hope he's all right. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Um, but, um, yeah, so uh, was, he didn't play Poirot. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, Albert mm. Finney, Peter Ustinov, the philosopher, mm. and Orson Welles. So mm. pretty, a pretty esteemed list of actors. Um, but... The person who played him for 25 years was Sir David Touche. And because um, you remember, I don't know if you remember Poirot. Did you ever watch much of it? Poirot? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was yeah. one of those, it's one of those things that was on um, like a Sunday when you had to get ready for school the next day, wasn't it? It's that sort of, it's got that sort of vibe about it. 
Yeah, um, but no, it's 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 if you've got I mean, it was no if you've got uh, anxiety if you're hungover and you've got you just want you know you're one of those moods where you just need to listen to Radio Four and be in a safe place. Poirot is a it's a great one mm. to, to put on because everything is there's a bit of tension there, but not too much. You kind of know everything's going to be all right and he's going to sort it out. But you know, his, he had this very distinctive little um, short strided kind of walk where he'd sort of pitter-patter about the place. And um, he perfected this by placing a coin in the crack between his butt cheeks, mm. which was a trick apparently um, given to him by Sir Lawrence Olivier. Mm. Larry. So, Larry. Larry. Oh, Larry. Oh, Larry. Oh, the smell. Larry, Larry. The smell of the grease. Larry, Larry. Larry. Have you got 50p from my... Um, to put up my crack. bottom, I need to oh, put up my bottom Larry. to look like a Belgian. Hmm. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, so but uh, well, the reason we're drinking Hercule Stout, which was named after him, is because whilst uh, Agatha Christie was very vague in her books about where he was from, he was from Belgium, um, and it is widely considered that he was born in the town of Elzelis. E double L E Z E double L E S, and it's home to the excellent El Zeloise Brewery, um, who do loads of lovely beers. Old old school Belgian producer, um, but their favourite again is a uh, my favourite is is a Hercule Stout, which very much like um, the Oladou is that same kind of lovely nine percent kind of sort of very muscular, strapping, smooth stout uh, with, with like hints of cocoa and espresso. It's lovely. At this time of year, it's really, really nice stuff to, to have. Um, and if you, 9%, so a couple of these will, um, like Hercule himself, it will, it will solve everything, really. So um, we recommend you have that in the name of Hercule Poirot. And I mm. think Belgian beers, just generally, just go back, we are talking to someone about this last night. They were talking about what's happening with Belgian beer. And it's, it's still one of the most exciting brewing nations in the world. I mean, you go to Belgium, you just fall in, back in love with beer. And it's it's got it's got everything. It's got the, the really brilliant classics, some amazing classics, loads of different indigenous beer styles there. But you also got a really thriving sort of new world craft beer scene as well that and they know what they're doing some amazing beers brewing being brewed over there so whether you like the classics or you, or you want something a bit more crafty it's still it kind of gets overlooked over over here um i think it's sort of been usurped by everything that's been going on in in the uk and america mm-hmm. but the old belgian classics are still just cracking beers. So, but remember, always follow our message of drink less, drink better over drink there because it, yes. it's very, very punchy, strong headgear. Yeah. Some of it. I mean, yeah. we, we the, our our, great, our finest fighting moment came after a few pints of very strong Belgian beer after we played tennis in um, Chiswick, didn't it, Ben? And we oh, yeah. hadn't really rehydrated ourselves and had a couple of pints of a strong Belgian beer, and then um, and then some local youth, uh, well, beat us an ambulance. We ended up getting our eyeballs rinsed on a an A and E. And do you know what? No one, no one table, found them, even though uh, they took away our trousers as evidence, leaving uh, us to go home. 
on our bikes with no trousers on. Soaking wet, cycling home. <laughs> when we got stopped by the police again on the way home, and had to explain why we weren't there. And they lost our trousers as well. I mean, if Pyro had been on the case, we could have got justice. Yeah. Um, Good old Pyro. The, o- the only film, th- the first fictional character to get an obituary. Um, we talked really? about obituaries the other the other week, didn't we? Apparently, the New York Times ran his obituary, even though he was a fictional character. It was the first time that had ever happened. Poirot is dead. Well, he's not. It's not real, is no, it? No, it's not. Um, not yeah. A bit like yeah, because you said God was dead, but he's not. Well, no, he's, he's everywhere. He's everywhere all he's, the time. Yeah, quite a nosy character, really. Well, I imagine what he'd be saying to us now is wrap this up, fellas. <laughs> I'll see you in hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. What's, what's going on with the tour? Uh, uh, the big the big news is we're selling extraordinary amounts of tickets in my hometown, Harpenden. So anyone who's listening yeah, from Harpenden, the St. Albans area, big up the Hearts advertiser who put us on the front page of the local newspaper. So Newsweek. <laughs> Wowzers. Thanks, guys. Um, so that's going very well. If you do want to come and see us there on the 25th of February, you better hurry up. We're going to sell that one out. And we're also selling very well at London's glittering West End's Leicester Square Theatre. February the 9th. Come on, London 9th. people. Um, well, what else are you going to do? Nottingham's selling quite well now all of a sudden. It was a bit yeah, they need to stop start. We've not been to Nottingham before, really so want to people come are there. unaware of how cool we are. Hmm. Um, but we've been doing, uh, yeah, it's ticking over. But come down. You know, it's um, it's very good value at the very least. I mean, it's funny, it's fascinating. That's not the reason to come, come good value, but it really is. Mm. And I know money's tight at the moment, but you would have got your January paycheck, and uh, they're doing a two for one as well. Yeah, and on the third of January, um, you know, you'll have come off the wagon. What what better way? The third of yeah to come off the wagon and come and In see style. our show. Yeah, and follow our messaging of. Drink less and drink better and have a laugh at the same time. Um, yeah, they've got some sort of drinks code on there, haven't they? It's drinker, uh, D R I N K E R. That would get you a two for one deal when you're booking it in Nottingham. So, yeah, do that. Um, right, that's <clears> it. And subscribe to our Spirits Club because Tom's doing all the packing this month. So, the more orders he gets, the more miserable he'll become. Um, that is um, a bag of empty. Empty pouches about to be filled with Portobello gins. Uh, they're our next one, and uh, we might even get the distiller and drinks master. Yes, we are going to the Jake distillery. Bergeron. I spoke to him this morning. We're going to meet him at a distillery, film it there, taste it there, and have lots of fun and laughter. So do mm. that, um, and uh, and just, yeah, just have yeah, a nice join time. Up. Much like a sundial, you can see, Ben, the shadow is now appearing on the other side of my face, as if to say, you've been here way too long. All right. Uh, All right, guys. Love you. Miss you. Thank you you for listening. Thanks for listening. If you're doing dry January, keep going. If you're not, drink less, drink better, and look after yourselves. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.